Alright, welcome to another episode of What Now? Jom lah lepak Jom lah lepak, yes So, it is 11am in the time of recording this And we are having another special guest <laughs> And he is the father of Saiful Islam Which is our first guest on the podcast Right, now without further ado Please welcome Mr. Hasrizal Assalamualaikum. How's everybody? Waalaikumsalam. Okay, me and Haika are doing great. Kind of sleepy, but we can we can do this. What time is it there in Ireland? It's uh four twenty five p.m. Yes. Four twenty five p.m. Yes. Yeah. Very sunny day. <laughs> very, very sunny day. Right. Uh, right. We should, we should, yeah. We should um introduce Mr. Hasizal. Yes. But what what better way to introduce him by him introducing himself? Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, first of all, I have to say thank you for both of you uh, for having me on your podcast. Uh, I I listened to your conversation with my son about a month ago, uh, and Alhamdulillah, now it's my turn. It makes me feel a bit younger <laughs> <laughs> to join this program. Um, well, uh, as Uh, you mentioned just now, I am the father of your friend, Saiful Islam. Uh, so currently, I live here in Ireland together with the whole family. Uh, we just recently relocated to Ireland. Previously, uh, my children and I, we live in Finland because uh, I pursued my study over there. But due to COVID-19, uh, we don't want to take the risk of having the second wave. Uh, that is separating the family further longer and because of that we said uh, we have to do something so we decided to move to Ireland and the whole children now are living together as well with the mother now so we have been living abroad uh, since 2016 uh, currently I am uh, working as the director of education in Khalifa Education Foundation So this foundation owns and runs uh, two schools known as Khalifa Model School Primary and Khalifa Model School Secondary, uh, both in Malaysia in KL. Uh, so I am still working with the with the foundation, but I'm working from distance. Uh, yeah, so uh, I have uh, four children: uh, Saiful Islam and the other three siblings. And the mother uh, is a doctor working here in a small hospital in in the town that we are living here. Ah, is she, is she a frontliner? Oh yes, yes. She's working in the emergency department. Yeah. Oh wow. wow. With oh, with wow. all the astronaut. <laughs> astronaut. <laughs> the PPE personal protective equipment, kan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Mm. Oh, I, I do you have anything to add that you think the the listeners should know about? I think I think we should know a little bit more on his journey, right? I think she's coming to your for your topic, right? Is it? Mm, mm. Yeah. So, um, in this uh podcast, in this episode, we're going to talk about two things, uh, two general big uh, topics, which is um the unrealized reality of the Islamic world. Yeah. Um, and then second, we're going to go on to a a high segment, which is we're going to discuss more on. On his book, yes. So recently, Mr. Hasizra wrote a new book, which is "Celebrity Yang Hilang," or in English, "The Art, The Lost Art of Thinking." Mm-mm. Right. So personally, I'm. It's a very interesting book, and you guys should read it. 
uh, those who <laughs> <laughs> promoting his book, by the way. Um, um, so the questions that I'll be asking Mr. Hasija later, which is how should we make it a habit to use these six knowledge, which which is written in the book, in in real life scenario. Number two, which is why do why did you specifically put in six knowledge for us to learn and master? All right, and does it only apply to Muslims or it can be applied to everybody? Awesome. All right, and number three, which is. Why should you read this book? <laughs> wow. Okay. 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 Wow. Those are really interesting questions. <laughs> I look forward to for knowing the answers to them. The question that I'll be asking generally in my segment is: How did you? How did studying overseas change your view of the Islamic world? Okay. So coming into this, actually, um, the reason why I want to talk about um the reality of the Islamic world is because I think that a lot of people when they live when they live in a society, they see what they see what goes on in the society. But even though they can see like there's the internet and the social media, you can see other different societies and you can see how they are. But without experiencing it firsthand, I think that there's a lot of things that are missing. You 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 stay in Malaysia, you go to school, school agama, and then that's what you see, that's what you grow up with, that's what you realize and that's what you think. So without further ado, I would like to ask um, Mr. Hasiza to tell us the story of traveling. So um, first of all, where did you start? Yeah. Your your story of your journey of apa? My journey since I am mm. now forty five years old, so the journey is mm. <laughs> is a bit longer. So sounds still still, still pretty young, still pretty young. Still pretty young. That's that's a long way to go. <laughs> uh okay um. It started from me uh, attending boarding school, uh, which something that I personally not prefer to for my children to have it. Uh, I went to boarding school at the age of thirteen. Uh, it's good on the other side that we started to be more independent. You know all all those things that we usually associate with living in boarding school, but then we become a little bit too independent, uh, and and that contributed to me uh, choosing to further my study somewhere else far away so after finishing mm-hmm. my SPM uh, I applied uh, to further my study uh, originally I applied to go to Morocco to do Arabic literature and translation uh, but during wow. the interview uh, the interviewer uh, said that my qualification is not Uh, does not qualify me to apply for that program, uh, so I am more suitable to go to other field of study which I did not apply, and that is economy. Uh, so oh, I yeah. yeah uh, so at that time, I was offered to further my study in United States uh, under American uh, uh, top universities program, but I negotiated. Mm-hmm. I said. Uh, my my result was good in economy, but uh, I wanted to further my study in Sharia, in Islamic studies. <laughs> so, ah, yeah, so please right. consider that. The main reason why I applied to do Sharia at that time because I don't want. Uh, at that time, my thought was uh, I didn't want Islamic studies to become like the last resort uh, of students who do not have the ability to further in any other program. So finally, okay lah, daripada duduk kampung, uh, I just pergi belajar agama. I don't want that. 
because uh, it's not fair to Shariah. Uh, the society put a lot of expectation uh, that scholars should know this, should know that, and should offer the best to the society. And yet, you send students who are demotivated, uh, who are not interested in learning to study Sharia, and that is not right. Mm. So, yeah. so, so at that time, uh, the government also had uh, the same the same idea, and because of that, uh, they have this uh, scholarship um, uh, known as uh, RBU, uh, Rancangan Bersama uh, JPA and Petronas, uh, sending. Uh, students to Morocco, Egypt, and Jordan. So finally, after the interview, uh, I had been offered to further my study in Jordan, and it was in 1993. So immediately after SPM, uh, I left the country and further my study uh, in Jordan in Islamic studies, and that was how everything began. Uh, my journey overseas. When I hug my mum uh, at Subang Airport, it was in Subang Airport <laughs> before K- <laughs> before KLIA. <laughs> um, I said to my mum, uh, "Insyaallah, it will be like four years, uh, and after finishing my study, I'll come back." Uh, but eventually, uh, it turned out to become eleven years of journey. <laughs> 11 years living in Jordan. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, so after finishing my study in Jordan, uh, I uh, at that time um, I I thought that. Yes, to certain extent, I understand my religion because the study was in Sharia. But I had a bigger question in my mind at that time. I understand the religion, but do I understand the people? Because I always have this back in my mind. I came from Ipoh, and I had a very uh, multi-ethnic uh, and multicultural childhood. I had friends from, um, uh, I have Chinese friends, Indian friends, but when I joined Sekolah Agama uh, and after finishing Sekolah Agama, I went to Jordan, all my past experience became very monotonous. Uh, uh, it is good to, to uh, in, in certain way, but uh, I had the concern. I, I feel that I am comfortable being uh, 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 around people who are similar to my ethnic and also my religion but am I comfortable to be in the actual reality back home in Malaysia so I had some kind of anxiety a little bit at that time I said no uh, I shouldn't go home now then uh, I should continue my journey and because of that uh, I went to UK uh, I was working there for two years and then I moved to Ireland because London was so expensive <laughs> you work <laughs> you work um, from morning until late night and then the whole money mm. you use only to pay your house rent uh, so I moved mm. to Ireland and after moving to Ireland uh, I got to know uh, my uh, now my wife uh, we got married uh, and then uh, in 2004 Uh, we came back to Malaysia. So uh, after coming back to Malaysia, I work in all sort of uh, job, everything. I work in a hospital. I work in a, um, a training company, uh, and uh, there there are many different things, uh, different job I did. But uh, finally, after going to many different schools, uh, meeting so many students. Uh, from sekolah agama, from top schools, from private school, from public schools, uh, I started to uh, have this thought. Uh, something really bothered me at that time. There is something 
I'm not really happy with the education education system at that time, uh, and because mm-hmm. of that, uh, I decided to join uh, Khalifa Education Foundation and finally become a full time staff, uh, also as a teacher. Uh, and we didn't want to run our school just as another school. We want to do something different. Uh, and we did a lot of different things in our school. And in 2016, I decided to move to Finland uh, to further my study, to get more knowledge, uh, because we want to do, uh, we want to, um, uh, how we call it, we, we want to run our school in a better way. Uh, so since 2016, I'm, I'm, I'm here and helping the school from distance. When am I going to go back to Malaysia? That is the question that should not be asked in this session because I have no answer for that. <laughs> yeah. not, not, a, not a decision that has been decided. Yeah. We will, we will wait for your decision. <laughs> wow, I mean, that's pretty interesting that uh, to, to put in that perspective, right? You had a very different thought from anybody else probably back in the 1990s back back in the 1990s right mm. so i think that's a, you have a very interesting thought process mr hasiza <laughs> yeah uh, but but again when i was uh, at that time um, my decision to further my study in islamic studies or in sharia was not actually to become like a scholar untuk jadi imam ke or even to become an ustaz Uh, mainly, I uh, I only have two uh, motives at that time. First, uh, I want to uh, I want to be able to speak and understand Arabic, because I cannot imagine myself in the future being a Muslim who does not understand the language of the Quran. I don't know who gave me that idea, but it was deeply embedded in my mind at that time. Uh, and that was the reason why I chose to further my study uh, in Arab country because we can still have uh, the opportunity to do the same course uh, in Malaysia, kan? in UIA, ke, UKM. Ke. But yeah. the reason why I chose to go not even to Egypt and to Jordan because in Egypt at that time, there there were already like thousands of Malaysian students and I imagine it would be very difficult for me to learn to speak Arabic in Egypt mm-hmm. at that time. And I chose to go to Jordan because in 1993, 1992, there were only like 200, less than 300 Malaysian students over there. So that was the first objective. And the second one, uh, I just want to become a Muslim who understand his religion. That's all. And that is why even until now, I don't really feel myself being an Ustaz, although many people call me Ustaz, <laughs> but it's still okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Oh, that's a really interesting journey. Really long journey. 45 years. Eh? <laughs> yeah. You will have a hard time editing <laughs> the audio later. Uh, no, it's okay. It's, it's not. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. Um, so, from that point, I also want to share to you and to my list, to our listeners about I have a very, I say, short journey. Because in order to talk about what I see also, some the reality of uh, Islam, the Islamic world inside of Malaysia and outside of Malaysia. Um, I have to tell others like what I've been through. Like, okay. I generally, I start Raja dekat Malaysia dekat Sri Aisyah lah, Jauh Sekolah Agama, private Islamic school from Raja 1 sampai Raja 3. And then I left to the US and I went to a public school there. And by then, 
I think my Dajah satu sampai Dajah tiga days of like my views of of general general Islamic culture kan? Malaysian culture tu dah hmm, makin kurang dari tepikan and then from there I went on to apa Um, sampai I think I was there for like 3 years And I came back And it was form 1 Sampai form 4 I was back at Malaysia And I guess the first time When I first came back It was quite culture shock Because I grew up there And like the American culture Really Really seeped into me And then but After a while I got back to the Malaysian culture And then recently I also went back to 2 years ago And then after Sampai form 4 I went to live in Korea And then I came back here And then also being out of uh, out of uh, sekolah agama, you know, self study. Now I'm self studying A levels, and I'm going through. I'm meeting a lot of different people from by working and also just generally friends I meet from from tournaments and from people on the internet. Also, I I guess I can say that the um, I have quite a bit of experience, you know, seeing different sides of. Basically, Islam. Islam, Muslims. Okay, I don't really want to say Islam. I just say Muslims. You know, there's okay. many different kinds of Muslims. You can see many different kinds of. There's a Muslim like that. There's Muslim like this. <coughs> so first of all, I want to say, what was your? How did you view the Islamic world or Muslims when you were when you were at um, Skalagama, and how did it change when you were at Beli masa the when you went out overseas. Yeah, I think uh, when the situation back in our country started to change, I was not there because uh, things changed a lot in 1990s. Uh, because mm-hmm. in nineteen in 1980s, uh, when I was I mean during my childhood elementary school, um, the way um, members of our society. Uh, from different ethnicity, Malay, Chinese, Indian, especially for us who live in a, a town like Ipoh, um, we we have uh, we had very little knowledge about Islam. I I put it in the simplest way. Um, you know, if you go to the mosque, uh, there were only like uh, two, three ceramah in a month, and you don't have that many options. Um, and then the the level of our practice in Islam uh, is quite basic uh, even uh, our moms our even our ustazah uh, at school didn't wear like full hijab they just wear simple scarf you know at that time uh, and 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 for us to have friends uh, from different ethnicity different religion it was very natural that we i didn't even realize that it was a thing at that time uh, so during Um, Chinese New Year, Deepavali, Hari Raya. We went to our friend's house, and we thought that was something. Uh, everyone are doing the same thing, you know. Um, that there's no second or alternate reality uh, on top of that. But when I left Malaysia in 1993, I think the um, the emergence of um, what we called it uh, kesedaran Islam, Islamic Renaissance, Islamic consciousness. I don't know what is the better to use um, that was the era when you know uh, for example sekolah kafa uh, started to happen meaning that after finishing the morning public school uh, children rather than climbing trees and 
wasting time like what I used to do with my friends in 1980s. People started to think, no, children should not uh, waste their time doing nothing in the evening. So why don't they go and learn agama better? So uh, when hmm. those things happened in Malaysia in 1990s, uh, I was not there. I was in Jordan already. So after coming back um, uh, from overseas in 2004, Um, the society that I met uh, in Malaysia was very much different than the one that I can remember from 1992 or 1993. Uh, so hmm. uh, usually people say, uh, even some some of the officers uh, said to us, you know, you have to be careful going to foreign country like Jordan, you might experience so-called culture shock. But actually, I didn't experience the so-called culture shock when I was in Jordan. Things happened naturally as expected. But I experienced culture shock when I came back to Malaysia in 2000, in 2004. Yeah, and 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 I I I did not come back to Malaysia from directly from Jordan or even from let's say from a more conservative uh, Arab countries like. Yemen or even to certain extent Saudi Arabia at that time, Jordan was quite um, westernized in terms of the external appearance. Uh, you don't see many people wearing jubah. You don't see pokok tamar. You know, date trees, camel. They're, all yeah, yeah, all those things yeah. are not there in Jordan. We have pine trees. We have snow. Um, it's more or less like somewhere from European country. Uh, but mm. although I came back from I, I came back from Ireland, I still felt that. Um, people started to live in their own bubble. Uh, Malay live in their own Malay Muslim bubble and then Chinese live in their own uh, community and Indians live in their own community and the uh, uh, disengagement between these segments in the society are getting deeper and deeper and I felt a little bit uh, uncomfortable and a little bit disturbed with what happened. So from there I started to Uh, to have more and more questions uh, and those questions I cannot find the answer from my study in Sharia and because of that I further my study in history and civilization because uh, uh, I need to understand for example uh, when the Quran says so and so uh, this verse from the Quran is there Muslims live with this ayat for the past 1,000 years. So how Muslims back then, 1,000 years ago, interpret this ayah and put them into practice? I had that curiosity to find answers. Um, so I, I I further my study and try to understand a little, a little bit more about history and civilization in order to understand because I think uh, when I came back in 2004, 2005, I realized that uh, when you have a problem, As a Muslim, individually or as a society, uh, the problem was not caused by not knowing. Meaning that you don't know, I tell you, you know, problem solved. It's not that straightforward. Uh, even mm. in 1980, yeah, yeah, in the year 2004, 2005, people know even more than what their forefathers used to know. But the more you learn about Islam, the more you know about Islam, the more you practice Islam, the more problems are emerging in the society. So it's really confusing. It means that um, being a Muslim is not based on simply what you know. 
and to bring your knowledge into practice and that's it. No, it's very complex. So you need to understand human. You need to understand how a society is shaped. Uh, and because of that, I gradually distance myself from uh, my my previous study in Sharia and I started to uh, embark into learning about uh, Western civilization, about philosophy, about uh, history, how uh, ideologies emerge, I mean, how things happen and change in Western world and how they change the way Muslims perceive their own life. You know, all those kind of questions. And then all those questions kept coming in. And finally, after getting answers from history, then my question getting narrower into analyzing what actually happened in individual when the person learn, especially when the person learn about his or her religion. And because of that, I moved to education. Because mm-hmm. uh, at the end, if you want to change a society, uh, we the, the idea of changing the society, sometimes known as uh, the, 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 the Islah, Uh, and tajdid or reform and uh, renewal and reform if you want to reform a society uh, you have to go a little bit deeper because what happened in a society uh, is a collective actions produced by individuals and those individuals produce their actions from the thinking process from the education So education. you have to go back to education, and because of that, I am a teacher now. Yeah. Mm. Yes. All right. I I have a question. Um, <laughs> um, it's really interesting how you point out your, you know, journey, your learning journey, right? Mm. Right. So, so you know, like, um, I'm curious that, is it true that, that you know, being a that in order to find the truth of something or the, the truth of islam or for example right is it better for us to travel okay uh i think it is not like a prerequisite or something uh, compulsory but seeking knowledge uh, was and still very synonym with traveling Uh, I'm not really sure how to put it in 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 a, uh, for example if you learn about hadith um, the first few uh, chapters uh, at the beginning of learning about hadith is about uh, studying about how scholars travel in order to get their knowledge and to learn about hadith There is something about travel which made scholars put those things into the earlier chapters in any book you read about hadith. Um, I think one of the reasons why traveling is useful for us to uh, to find answers to our questions uh, or to seek the truth or to seek knowledge is because when we travel, we will have the opportunity to Uh, synthesize uh, our understanding, our belief between what is um, what we call it uh, f- form and substance. You know, uh, 
uh, we we can figure out which one is form, which one is substance. Mana isi, mana kulit. Uh, because mm. when you move from one place to another, you started to realize, oh, Islam, although it's one religion, but when you go to different places, you will see people interpreting the same Islam a little bit differently, but still within the same context of Islam. Why? You will see, for example, uh, if you go to India, if you go to Pakistan, you will find... Um, a very pious uh, Muslimah, someone who is very self-conscious about Allah, they will wear a scarf uh, that does not cover full of their hair, yeah. which in Malaysia might be considered as, you know, macam tak sempurna lah. Kan? You need to wear very complete, complete version yeah. of hijab. Uh, why is that? And then you will see uh, how uh, Turkish women... Um, Did, uh, do not wear socks, something that somehow um, Muslimah in Malaysia consider as something that is very required in order to uh, make to 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 bring into perfection uh, the way you project yourself as a and as sebagai as a Muslimah. Uh, why all those things uh, happen? So probably the simplest way i can put to answer uh Haikal's question just now probably this is one of the wisdom or the hikmah behind allah made hajj as uh, one of the pillars of islam oh oh you yeah know? yeah i never thought about that yeah. yes because uh, now when you when mm-hmm. you put about it right yeah um traveling does help you actually find the truth and knowledge yes right? be- because at least once in a lifetime a muslim will have to leave his uh, comfort zone to travel somewhere and to become international you know wow yeah some that thought <laughs> yeah uh, so hajj uh, every muslim who went for hajj they will come back with different worldview We can ask our grandfather. You can. Uh, I don't have my grandfather anymore, so okay. Right? But you, you might have uh, your pakcik ke, or even your parents ke, atuk ke, opah ke. Uh, ask them about their experience when for Hajj. They will talk about a lot of things. You know, I met Turkish people. I met these people that one, one. The way they think about Islam, the way they think. So they, they, they started to realize there is a bigger world than the reality they are living in all this while you know mm-hmm. yeah i see i see wow i never thought there's a deeper analysis going to hajj i think that you know like azik what do what, what do you think <laughs> never thought of that as well i think i think i never really you know like scaring and we're talking about traveling traveling and how traveling relates to realizing the reality of the apa the Islamic world you know other than like, getting out of your bubble macam um said earlier <coughs> I never I never thought of it that way you know like the 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 different meaning or like the different behind apa is it a sirat yeah I th- I think I think it is true like you know finding knowledge and truth is like I mean the definition is different But you will actually find something from traveling. Finding the truth in knowledge, you said it wrong. It no, 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 no. 
uh, uh, I mean, what I said was like there's there's a difference between knowledge and truth. What I'm saying, uh, yeah. yeah, because knowledge is something that is based on facts. Truth is something that you discover on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 also I I would like to add there there are many uh, verses in the Quran that encourage people to travel, uh, but uh, the the word that is being used in those ayat, uh, for example, uh, fanzuru. Uh, so the word fanzuru uh, in 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 Arabic language uh, there are many different words that give. Similar meaning when they are translated into our language, like Malay, Malay language. Mm-hmm. For example, yeah, yeah. Um, roa, uh, nazoro, and basoro. All these three means look, but the differences between roa, nazoro, and basoro. The word nazoro, fanzuru. When you travel, look. Nazoro means you look with your thinking. Uh, roa is seeing with naked eyes. Uh, basoro is seeing with your heart, but nazoro, see and think. So it means that travel will only benefit you in finding truth when you travel and think and you observe. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, it's very common. You know, people have a lot. Uh, their their purchase yeah. power is stronger, and flight ticket is getting cheaper and cheaper. So it's very common for even young people like you guys. Uh, travel to Europe, going to Japan, Korea, something that we can never imagine back then, like 40 mm-hmm. years ago. But that does not necessarily guarantee there will be a paradigm shift. If you travel, but you don't have the intention to observe and to think, you just want to enjoy, you know, you just want to see different buildings, you want to see the snow, you want to see different type of trees and flowers, then it won't change that much uh, in in your mind because you don't bring with you the tools to seek the truth. Although you take the journey already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So, mm-hmm. 